0: Well, good morning again. It's great to see all of you. Welcome. I'm uh, Len. I'm one of the pastors here. As I said earlier, our lead pastor Paul is gone today um, doing some uh, stage of life sort of stuff. He's taken his daughter down to college, and I'm sure it's an exciting and emotional time for them. Uh, but I get the privilege to be here with you this morning. Uh, As we continue in our series, Unstoppable, and this series is uh, talking about the birth of the church, and not a building, not a religion, but a family or body of Christ, people filled and motivated with the Holy Spirit to change the world. And the account of the birth of church is found in the book of Acts, and it begins by quoting Jesus when he said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so basically Jesus is telling us to tell others, to tell everyone everywhere about this newfound faith in Christ that we have. But then we see letters like this that was uh, sent to a newspaper advice columnist years ago. It says, Dear Ann Landers, please help me save a friendship of 30 years. My friend has become deeply religious, which is her business, but she's now trying to convert everybody she knows. Our children leave when Mrs. X comes into the house. My husband has threatened to throw her out. I have told Mrs. X as politely as I can that we do not want to hear any more about her newfound faith, but she is obsessed on the subject. I'd welcome any suggestions, and my patience is running thin on the ragged edge in Ohio. Well, Ann Landers replied this way, Dear Edge, obviously you've been too polite. It appears as if you're going to have to tell Mrs. X that the next time she starts to talk about religion, you will ask her to leave and then do it. Ann Landers. I don't want a letter written like that about me. None of us do, right? I don't want to be known as that, Oh, no, here he comes guy, right? None of us want that, and yet I believe... In all my heart, what Peter said of Jesus, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And so Jesus asks us to tell everyone, everywhere. But we feel afraid. We fear rejection. We feel being labeled a fanatic, or even worse, nowadays, to be labeled as a bigot or intolerant because we believe in Jesus being the only way. And so, we become quiet. And this is that risk of obedience that I talked about a couple weeks back. We know what we're supposed to do and what we believe to be right, but we behave differently because of so many factors that are just weighing in on us. Factors which are very human and very real to us. And I'm not here to shame any one of us. I feel them too. This is a struggle that we all deal with. We're all human, and we all experience such fears and disconnects between our beliefs and our actions. But the journey for us is to move closer to how we're to live according to God's Word, His teaching, to take honest and deliberate steps in those areas. And so today I want to read an account from the book of Acts in the Bible, and we're going to pull principles out of it. We're going to look at it, and it will help us as we communicate this incredible faith that we have in Christ, that we want to share with other people. And so it's a long passage, so it'll all be up on the screen. Follow along with me in Acts chapter 17, verse 16 and on. It says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, "'May we know what this new teaching is that you were presenting? "'You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, "'and we want to know what they mean.' All of the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, "'Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. "'For as I walked around, and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven, and earth does not live in temples, uh, and He does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands, as if he needs anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath, and everything else. For one man he made uh, every nation of men, or from one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them, and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him, and perhaps reach out for him, and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Okay, so Paul is in Athens, And and what we need to understand is that Athens is kind of like the the intellectual capital of the world, say Oxford or Harvard or Stanford or something like that, home to guys like Aristotle and Plato. And, And in verse 16, as it starts out, it says that Paul was waiting for them in Athens. He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. He was distressed. Why? Something was was going on inside of him, and we want to understand why. And and so that brings us to our first principle, and that is is to have a heart for spiritually confused people. Paul didn't say something like, wow, is hell going to be hot for those guys? No, he didn't go there. His heart was broken and distressed and hurt for them. Paul really cared, really cared about the people. Why? Why? Well, because of what we talked about last week, and that is is that everyone is eternal. And their eternity matters. You know what? If we weren't eternal and eternity didn't matter, you know what? Okay, fine. But we are eternal. And our choices that we make in this life have consequences in eternity. And Paul saw that and was distressed that they were spiritually confused and lost. Every person who does not know Christ, who is in our world, is someone whom we are called to love. And I believe that God has placed us in their lives. Which leads us to our next principle. Enter your world with a mindset to share Christ. It says this, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. And okay, first off, it's easy to say, well, Paul, you know, he had a special calling. He was a missionary. He was unique, and you know, I'm not Paul. No, none of us are Paul, of course not. And he is unique, he did have that. But there is one thing to be certain, of all the functions or tasks that God places on our lives, sharing our faith is one that applies to every one of us. It applies to every one of us. Now, we all have different gifts. And we all have different uh, talents and, and, and personalities that we bring to the table, but we are all called with a responsibility to share our faith. And that's, on, honestly, that's kind of odd and difficult because most of us come to our faith with no expectation that we're going to have to do something with it. We come because we have a need. We come because we're broken and we want to be saved and we we're drawn and attracted to the love of God and Jesus, transforming our lives. And then he says, now go tell everyone. Right? And so we didn't we didn't walk in this door of faith expecting that. But Jesus says, now that you've experienced this, do something with it. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. Use every opportunity to go and share this transformed life that you've experienced with those around you. We're placed in this world to help people know Jesus Christ. And when we say, that's why I'm here, the brain kicks in and we see these opportunities and and we want to, we need to, we're called to take advantage of those opportunities to share our faith. Do you know the best way to share? Do I know the best way to share? No. I don't know that there is a best way, but I want to know that I know that I need to be a part of it because that's what God has called us to. And so we're going to look at kind of taking that mystery away just to find out how and when and why we share our faith with others. Paul was in the marketplace. He wasn't in some unique, I mean, he did end up at a council, but it says day by day it was just where everyday people were. And wherever we're at, Every day, our normal daily times and places we go, we should see our purpose in sharing our faith. That's why God puts you with some of the people he has as friends in your life. That's why you're in your neighborhood. And we've talked over this last year that that you alone are called in that neighborhood to be an example of Christ. That those neighbors, that you're not there by chance. God has placed you in unique places in your world, to share Christ with people around you. The next principle we get from this passage, it says, Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? Now he's taken to this place where all the great debaters go, and Paul was brilliant. How many of you like to debate? I don't see a single hand. I bet some of you, oh, there we go. I say, I know he does. I know him. There are some debaters. Yeah, there are a few people who love to just kind of argue out the fine points, but most of us, we kind of avoid that. We kind of feel like it's a little like conflict or something, and most of us avoid conflict, right? But Paul was brilliant, and he was educated, and he had learned his stuff, and he's in his element. He's just having a grand time doing this. But most of us don't operate that way. So that brings up our next principle. Be who you are. When you share. Paul was really good at debating with the educated. But not many of us are like that. Not all of us can go toe-to-toe with philosophers. The group of friends, just a little personally, I keep mentioning that I've taken up watercoloring and a group of friends that I'm hanging out with and are encouraging, encouraging me all the time. One of them is Laura, and she keeps saying this, you be you, when I'm trying to paint and learn a style and I see different artists. And she's like, you be you. Don't try to paint like someone else. Well, that's the same way with our faith. Don't try to be this intellectual philosopher or, or this person that can talk with any stranger and just strike up a conversation. And, and do that. Find out your style. Now, God's going to stretch you. He's going to take you out of your comfort zone. But he's not necessarily going to ask you to be somebody you're not. He wired you uniquely to to serve him and to love others the way that you can serve others and love them. There are all kinds of styles in the way that people share their faith. Some, the intellectual thing, others, hospitality. Some of you, you're just so compassionate, you pick up strays. Pets, plants, people, it doesn't matter, you just pick them up, you know? And you bring them to you and bring them in. Some of you, you just naturally serve other people, and you love them and serve them, and when you pray for them, and then come back and say, why are you... Why do you care? And then you can tell them why. Some of you, you invite people to church or your life group. Some of you, you can just walk up to any stranger and just strike up a conversation about any topic, and you do just that. And that's where our different gifts and our personality styles come into play. But with all our gifts and personality styles, again, we have a responsibility and privilege, I should say, to share our faith. The next principle is to find common ground. In verse, seven, verse 22, it says, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown I'm going to proclaim to you today. And immediately there's common ground. A couple of things we see there is that he took time to see how they worshiped what they did, and then he began to relate to them with a God and a spirituality that they understood. Now on the coast side, we meet lots of people, and there are some who may come up to you with something like that and say, you know, you have an aura around you. And you know what, how you can reply to that instead of saying, ah, whatever, we can reply saying, I see that you're spiritual. You know what, I am too. Can Can we talk about that? And you begin to build a common ground. Instead of shunning them because they believe differently, instead you honor them for a fact that they're hungry for spiritual things. We build bridges, not uh, create valleys between us. And so we can begin to talk about the benefits of a relationship with God through Jesus. We can ask people, tell me your faith story. Can I share with you mine? And we begin to have such conversations. There are so many places in our lives that overlap and have common interest with people. Yesterday was the love of dogs. We had the the dog fair. Random, odd thing, but you know what? I talked with people, had conversations with people who said, I'd like to come check out this church. We found something common, a love for pets. And hopefully it will build into being part of our church family as a result. Build common grounds. Love of nature, hobbies, so many other things. And we all have hopes. We all have dreams. We all have a love for family. Let's capitalize on the things that unite us instead of highlight what divides us and focus on bringing Christ into those common areas. And that makes it simpler for people to understand and accept the claims of Christ in their life. The next principle, offer reasons why you believe. Now, in verses 23 through 31, Paul gives some really good reasons why he believes, and it's brilliantly done, And and it relates to the Athenians where they're at. They understand it. Verse 23 says, For as I walked around and looked carefully again, reading this again, it's at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now, what you worship is something unknown I'm going to proclaim to you. And some of us, the reason we believe uh, is, is our story, what's happened to us, right? We saw God. We felt God. We experienced God. It was perhaps not about all the, the reasons and intellectual arguments. For a lot of us, it's because of our experiences of hopelessness and change and transformed to hope or feeling um, broken and finding forgiveness in Christ. And we can share those, our faith stories, what led us to give our life to Christ. And we should be able to clearly talk about it. It's our story, right? We should be able to share what happened in our lives and why we have become followers of Christ. And if they have questions, don't blow them off. You know, just reply, hey, you know what, that's a great question. Usually, it, it's something in today's world about evolution or creation or Adam's belly button, you know, something like that. Oh, you guys don't get that. Last night, they laughed at that, huh? The, jo- the, the principle being is that he was created a fully adult, so he probably didn't have one, you know, so something to ponder. Don't get too distracted. Come on back now. But, the, <laughs> but this idea is that there's all these... People have questions about faith and wanting to understand what this means. And you know at the heart of what they're asking isn't to get into some debate or argument with you necessarily, is what they're really asking, is this thing you believe a whole bunch of myths spun together by some kooks? See, they don't want to be seen as fools. They want to have a level of understanding of what's going on. And we need to have courage and say... Maybe, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. But I can find out. Because you know what? They're not the first one to have this question that they feel might blow apart Christianity. They're not the first one. All questions have been asked, and all questions have an answer. And we may not know it, but we can find people who do research together, create a dialogue, and come together on those And then the last principle is is to be ready for a response. There are three responses that we see in verses 32 through 34, and let's see if we can find them as we read this. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So we see these three responses, and the first one is, is that they sneered, they mocked, they, they rejected it. Others, there was an open door, you know, let's continue to dialogue about this. And then others came to belief uh, right away. And we need to be ready for each one of those, emotionally and, and, uh, and with a conversation. How do we respond with each one of those? And honestly, especially the belief one. Because some of us are just as afraid that someone will accept Christ in a conversation with us as we are that they might reject Christ or us. Because, see, if they reject Christ or us, we can kind of walk away. And we can say, okay, I gave them the option, and we walk away. But if they accept Christ, then a whole new level of fears come in for a lot of us, right? Okay, now what do I say? Am I supposed to pray out loud with them? What do I do? And we don't always know what to do. And, and really, that should be the joyous, most wonderful time. And you know what? If they've already said, I think I'm ready to believe, at that point, it's kind of done. They've already said, I'm turning my will over to Christ. I want to do this. And so it doesn't have to be some methodical, magical prayer of some kind. It's just an acknowledgement that they want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. And what do you do next? You invite them to your life group. Because they need to grow, right? They're new believers in Christ. And some of you are saying, oh wait, I'm not in a life group. Maybe you should start one with them. (laughs) Because if you have taken the time to invest in a conversation to lead them to faith, then I hope you will take the time to help them grow in their new faith. And so draw them into a group, a community with people that they can grow in their faith in with you. And this is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to do. We really really are. So I just encourage you to open yourself to see the people that God has called you to. Don't ignore those neighbors. Don't pull into your garage and shut the door before you've taken a time to see who are the people that live next door and across the street from you. Don't, don't just walk through the Safeway and, and, or the New Leaf and see the people at the register or in the aisles and just ignore them. They are, they are people Dearly loved by God with an eternity in their midst and part of them. And you just might be the one with the words of life for them. Please open your hearts and minds and spirits to the opportunities that are with you every day. And to begin having conversations. As I said a couple weeks ago, it's the risk of obedience and all change is awkward at first. But you know what? Most of these people that I'm, I'm encouraging you to talk to already love you. You already love them. You're in friendships with them. They are probably very open to hearing from you how you came to choices in your life that you came to. So why be afraid of that? Seriously, why be afraid? Let's share this transforming love of God that we have with those around us. I want to ask the worship team to come forward, and as we get ready to close here, I just want to encourage you, perhaps you're here today, and and you have yet to make that decision for yourself, and here I'm talking about how you should be sharing your faith, and you're like, wait, I haven't even adopted or embraced this new faith, and I just want to encourage you that maybe you're ready here today to cross that line from one who has been seeking to one who says, I want to believe. You heard Paul's arguments and discussion about why Christ deserves to be served and worshiped and followed, and maybe over the course of weeks and months at this church you've heard a lot of other reasons, and I just invite you to say, today's my day, and just accept Christ and follow him, and then do what I also said, get in a life group, get in a place where you can grow and be in community and and learn more and discover more about your new faith. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you are a God who loves us. You have offered us grace and forgiveness and salvation. And those are all big words, but really what it means is that we can have peace and hope and, and uh, purpose and meaning, significance in life as we know that our lives are radically transformed and changed to become more like you. And God, I pray that you would just help us in, in that joy of what we've discovered and experienced in you to not ever think that it should be just kept to ourselves. But but God, to share that with those around us, particularly those that you have placed in our lives that we already have a deep love for, a deep concern for. Help us to share our faith just as naturally as we talk about uh, the latest news that happened this week. Um, God, help us to share our faith. Um, So matter-of-factly. Because it's the greatest thing. It's the most important thing. Um, that you have done in our lives. So help us, Lord, to embrace that and hand it out to everybody else around us. In Jesus' name, amen.